Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome and thank you for joining us today. We want to discuss some really interesting topics with you that I think a lot of people will be interested in. Um, are there less people adopting in the U.S.? So um, that's going to be our topic today, and we've got a great guest uh, also on the show. And we're going to discuss a little bit about the uh, new trends and upcoming changes in the foster care system in the United States, too. So uh, this is important, and if you know people interested in foster care and adopting in the U.S., and internationally, um, they'll want to tune in also. Before we start, I'd like to invite you to sign up for our weekly email show reminder. Uh, it comes to you via uh, email, and all you have to do is go to our site at letstalkadoption.com and click on the free reminder. It's on the left side of the site, and it's easy and it's free, and you'll get lots of updates too and some uh, some bonuses. And we have articles too from some of our guests too, so it's important. And then if you have questions or comments, um, please remember to send them to us at info at letstalkadoption.com, and uh, we'll use them on the show and also um, while we're in our articles, too. Today, um, you know, many people are choosing to adopt because infertility is on, a, on an all-time rise, and um, people are looking at many different ways to go. There are a lot of kids in foster care, but there are some fallacies, and we're going to discuss today with our guest, Cynthia Savage. Cynthia is a director um, of postadoptionservices.com and has been involved in adoption for 26 years. A very active woman, uh, adoptive mother herself, and she's um, uh, joined this board, COAC, she's going to discuss also a year ago, um, a year before the adoption of her second child. She has a daughter from Korea, and um, she also has some other children we'll be discussing too. Um, in 1983, she joined uh, the staff of Adoption Horizon. It's a California-based private nonprofit adoption agency which places uh, FAWS Adopt foreign and domestic children. So welcome to the program, Cindy. Thank you very much, Marty. And you go by Cynthia, so I want to make sure I do that right, you too. You call me Cindy. <laughs> but, you know, I want to find out, you know, when I spoke to you, we did a little pre-interview, and I was just so fascinated. Um, you know, there are some trends changing. Why... Why are these trends uh, these trends uh, happening right now? What? Why aren't people adopting from the U.S. anymore as much? Well, I don't know if that's really a, a definitive answer. I think the the more correct answer is the children that are available mm -hmm. are are people interested in the children that are actually available in the foster care system, mm -hmm. and are they they um, willing to participate with the system as it exists? today. Right, and that can be hard at times, right? I mean, it, it can, and you know, the, there are some wonderful people out there that do a tremendous job uh, with children who are in situations like concurrent planning mm -hmm. and um, are foster parents and just do a wonderful job. Now, however, that's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Some families do not want to go through the stress that they have to go through in, so, in some of those processes. So, they elect to do other types of adoption then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is uh, true. A lot of times people think international is going to be easier, too. We're going to kind of discuss some of this, too. Um, is this only, you know, I know you're located in California, but this is nationwide. We're seeing changes in Florida and different uh, different states as far as they're revamping their foster care and FOSADOP programs, right? Well, they're, they're, they're actually, they are taking just a whole new approach in some regards to um, uh, the consideration of people um, that they need to adopt these type of children uh, that are in the, the, the foster care system. Mm -hmm. In the past, uh, social workers were very hesitant about looking at therapists, friends, and different other related people in children's lives as potential uh, parents. They mm -hmm. pretty much stuck with relatives 
and then other licensed uh, adoptive or foster parents that um, were waiting for children. Mm-hmm. Now that it seems like the, the, the kind of the system's been set on its ear and, uh, you know, there's been some, there's a, a program called you got to Believe that's mm-hmm. really been sort of pioneering the adoption of older kids and they just started really breaking the, the barriers, um, the traditional bar- social work barriers of mm-hmm. looking at many different people, teachers, mm-hmm. you know, counselors, <coughs> That's what lawyers. is very interesting. Yeah, anybody knew, knows the child. Well, they, they have an interest in the child, mm-hmm. and they started realizing that this was a whole untapped resource pool of people that was not being recognized. Mm-hmm. And, and so, they're actually uh, stepping up and doing the adoption now. They need, of course, home studies and have to have a clean background and have a desire to parent this child. Right, but they weren't even considered before, and oftentimes they were discouraged if they mm-hmm. were considering. Right. If they would call up and say, gee, I know of this child, they were discouraged from stepping up to the process because it was kind of, I think, the, the thought process at the time was, that, you know, you needed to kind of keep people, uh, children separated from those professional relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and that so was the social worker. Is there still social worker bias, do you think? I mean, well, I don't know if it's bias. I just think it's practice trends, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, every, we all have evolved in adoption over the 20 years that I've been involved. Mm-hmm. Our thinking evolves as we go. You right. know, what, what I believed 20 years ago, certainly I don't believe today. Mm-hmm. And it's just from those practice changes that we see whether things work or they don't work. And I've and seen that, too, with even just biracial adoptions uh, where, you know, um, there aren't enough black families to adopt. And so many times uh, the social workers were just holding out to find a black family, but there's so many kids still in the system, right? Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, actually the parent group that I was involved with 20 years ago was actually meeting with state legislatures to try to put time limits on mm-hmm. um you know, children staying in foster care if they didn't find matching families, which that's all abolished now. So mm-hmm. uh, with the Multi-Ethnic Placement Act, right. you know, they, they can't do that. But um, Explain that multi-ta- multi-ethnic um, um, act well, now Well, it just to means you can't use race as a basis for matching yeah. if there's a waiting family. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's, there's always going to be priorities in placement. I mean, that, that's a pretty uh, standard practice that you're going to look at relatives Absolutely, mm-hmm. first of all, mm-hmm. in the child's life. And then, you know, you're going to, you know, it used to be that the second person that they looked at was somebody who was ethnically matching. And then third, they would look at somebody who had a child, maybe another child in their family that ethnically matched that child. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, I think that the trends are they're going to look for relatives and these other extended people, and then they're going to be looking for, you know, approved families. And mm-hmm. race may or may not be an issue, but I think there's still some preference that if you can find a, an ethnically matching family, that's a good thing. Yeah, it is always a good thing. Yeah. Now, so what's this, this, what's this really um, translate for people listening that um, – that are not related to any children in foster care um, and do not know of any children in foster care, are there less to adopt uh, then? Well, for private agencies such as ours Mm -hmm. that do not take custody of children, um, we're in a kind of a unique position. When we home study a family and foster license them, we're not going to be having a pool of uh, children to draw from within our Mm -hmm. own agency. Therefore, Mm -hmm. we have to look outside our agencies. That has become much more difficult, in my opinion, in the mm-hmm. last three years. Um, and, and there are some the changes that have happened in California as kids are being kind of regionalized. Mm-hmm. In the past, uh, uh, Orange County, say, for example, did not think it a bad thing to place a child clear up in our county, up in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, they thought that was a new break, uh, a clean slate for the child. Now they're seeing that the children are taken out of their community, away from their schools, mm-hmm. away from p- other potential relatives that 
maybe might have some, you know, part of the child's life. And mm-hmm. so the, the trend is to try to keep the children right in that regional area of the custodial agency. And so those are some of the changes that we're seeing now and probably yes. in the next few years, too. I, yes, I think yeah. it's going to continue mm-hmm. uh, unless, unless they get to a point where they're not able to find families in that mm-hmm. area and they have to look outside that, uh, you know. It used to be that, you know, agencies would call. I know we get phone calls, um, and myself, and speaking to agencies in, in uh, other states asking if we had families because they could not find families to meet the needs of the children. So that's that's changed uh, quite, quite a bit then. Well, I, I don't know that there's that many families. I'm just not sure mm-hmm. the numbers exactly. Mm-hmm. But I can say for our families, we've mm-hmm. had difficulty finding um, children. Mm-hmm. And I, it used to be a fairly simple process. We mm-hmm. had 60 or more county or state agencies that we mm-hmm. could send our families information to. And we would always get some interest somewhere. But what we're getting is a lot of dead ends. You know, mm-hmm. we call them children are staying in the area. They're, you know, they don't want to move them. Um, it's not practical if there's still some visits with with biological parents mm-hmm. and such. But, uh, so it's it's hard. Is it easier for families to enter adoption through the FAS Adopt still as it used to be? I, I believe that that's definitely true because, mm-hmm. of course, you know, <clears throat> the children are available mm-hmm. uh, right away through mm-hmm. the, the foster system to them. The, the thing that we find with some families is they do not want to go through that process mm-hmm. of having the children in their home, going through what they call concurrent planning, which may include yeah. visiting uh, with birth parents. And, and reunification, then, maybe. Yeah, and, and really it's kind of an, an interesting uh, process because on the one hand, as adoptive parents or prospective, excuse me, let's just even call them foster parents, let's mm-hmm. not call them prospective adoptive mm-hmm. parents, you have to be assisting the reunification process mm-hmm. with the biological parents, and yet many harbor inside, you know, inclinations to want to adopt the child. And so the, it, it yeah, and kids and pick that up. Kids pick that up, too. And I know as a foster mom, that's, you know, we were fostering some older children, and it was it was difficult because you really wanted a child to love. And I, it's difficult for if no one's ever had a child, but it's, I think, a perfect situation for people that had children want to make a impression on a child for a short period of time exactly and are able to release that child uh, and know they've done something good don't you believe that too oh, Cynthia? and and there are some wonderful people that do that and mm-hmm. they really uh, they make a huge difference in a child's life mm-hmm. but for other families who are really looking towards adoption as a permanent thing mm-hmm. it it may be too stressful for their family to mm-hmm. go through a process where they see children going off and visiting with biological parents mm-hmm. who they know have not been good parents and yeah. the, then the children come back to them and they go through all sorts of behavioral issues and mm-hmm. it's just a, a difficult process but there are many wonderful people that actually do that and do a great job and they that. need to you offer a program with a FAS adopt and we're going to talk a little bit about you know you do international adoption quite a few things through uh, your program again I'm, let's give your website out so people if they're interested can visit your website yes it's adoption hyphen horizons Dot org. Okay, and if anybody missed that, it'll be on the, the program later on. We'll have it on the website, Let's Talk Adoption. You mentioned a term that I want to share with other people. It's uh, the non-related extended family members, and that's the NEFRM, yeah. uh, N-R-E-F-M. Share just a little bit about that term. That's that one where maybe a teacher can adopt? Right. It, it, it just expanded the pool of people that could be sort of considered related to the mm-hmm. child, not in a biological sense, but in a you know, situational sense that could be considered as a potential family, just mm-hmm. to enlarge that pool of people that, that had some interest in the child and 
while it doesn't completely remove all the foster licensing requirements because you mm-hmm. still have to have a criminal background check mm-hmm. and a home study, and I just talked to State Adoptions yesterday about this, um, Ken Smith, who is the uh, working with the Older Children Project that, that we may talk about, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that just extends the pool of families. It, doesn't, it does not have them, um, you know, not be fingerprint criminal background cleared and Mm -hmm. and home study, you know, having a home visit. But it does not require them to go through the extensive training classes and uh, some of of the other things. So they can can take a child into their home pretty immediately. Right. Well, when we come back, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. We're going to talk about how people that might know somebody or hear about a situation or a child might be able to get in and what they need to do next to maybe adopt that child or foster that child with that hope. So when we come back, Cynthia is going to share more great information um, on uh, U.S. adoptions. Are they really down or what you can do? So we'll be right back after this real quick break. God has a plan for each of us. Sometimes we simply aren't sure what that is. Many Christian families are struggling today with infertility and pregnancy loss and feel forgotten as to God's plan for their lives. Is God trying to convey His plan to you? Perhaps He is trying to lead you to another path for building your family. Christian families are being built every day through the miracle of adoption. There is hope and there's a child for you. Visit LifetimeAdoption.org. Or call 530-432-7373 to learn more about welcoming a baby into your heart through adoption. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell on KFIA AM 710. And uh, today um, we're talking about, um, you know, is there people, are there people in the U.S. that aren't adopting? Um, how the foster care program is changing? And um, if you're interested in foster care, you know, are you looking elsewhere? Are you going to uh, overseas? But do we have a wonderful guest on today, uh, Cynthia Savage, that uh, has been in the industry of helping fee- people for, for many, many years. Uh, 25 years, Cynthia, right? That's uh, pretty getting close to, close to 25 years now, right. So we're going to talk about those trends, too. And before I, I forget, I want to remind everybody, too, if you're looking for a, a resource, I'd like to mention, again, my book I wrote, uh, AdoptingOnline.com. Uh, it's for hopeful adoptive parents. Um, it's a resource guide with over 1,200 adoption um, sites involved in it and uh, also some tips on how to save money and where to find finances and, and time and stress and not you know become part of a scam. Uh, it's available at your local bookstores or online, Amazon. Amazon has it and a lot of bookstores online or even at the site. So if you go to adoptingonline.com, you can save $10 off it and it has a money back guarantee. So Cynthia, before we were left on break, we were discussing a little bit about, um, you know, that you can go through this program where if you know somebody, uh, the non-related extended families, I do get a lot of emails from people, listeners that say, I do have a neighbor and she's not caring for her child and I'm afraid that, you know, CPS is going to come in. How would I go about, um, you know, adopting this child? Or someone will say, my niece, my sister doesn't want my niece, and what do I do to, to adopt her? Um, you know, what, what, do we, what, what can you recommend to people? Okay, well, let's take the first situation first. You, you, you know, as a neighbor that sees a child that's, you know, of course, if you're not offering that person some support or helping mm-hmm. them get resources, 
and you have concern about the child, then, you know, making a report to Child Protective Services is probably appropriate. Mm -hmm. But if the child does go into Child Protective Services, you know, as a person, you can definitely call whoever in your county. Some, since some areas it's a county agency, some it's it's uh, a combination county with the adoption mm-hmm. unit right in there, and some are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can contact them and and express your interest in in becoming um, you know a foster parent for that child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think with you know. A lot of things that happen are happening by word of mouth because mm-hmm. we've heard about children and we've had families call in and and then there are committees that often review that. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be uh, considered for that child. One mm-hmm. of the things that uh, the, there was a stru- survey done this last year about helping prospective adoptive parents navigate the foster care system. It, w- it was a little bit alarming um, in that the study, it's the largest one ever undertaken, mm-hmm. and it found that 78% of the adults who called an agency for more information about mm-hmm. adopting a child from the foster care will not even fill out the application or wow. attend an orientation meeting, and just 6% of those who call for more information will actually complete the adoption home study, which is required for all prospective parents. Mm-hmm. And further, many who do complete a home study end up leaving the child welfare agency without ever adopting. Now, that's really sad. Um, What do you think that's all about? Well, I think there's a a screening process that actually Mm -hmm. has always been in place in many Mm -hmm. agencies. And, you know, when families call in, they hear information that, you know, encourages them to voluntarily Mm -hmm. drop out. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're told you're going to have a a back criminal background check or you're going to find sure. going to be checked that that may eliminate some people a lot of people yeah the, the other thing is kind of a um what was noted in this survey is that there was ki- uh the the um parents were that the, the agencies were not considering these consumers mm-hmm. and so therefore they were they were very discouraging towards mm-hmm. people considering even a, you know right. getting information so mm-hmm. Then, you know, there's got to be kind of there a There wasn't change. a customer service on yeah, some of the Yeah, there's not a customer yeah. human resource mm-hmm. a, uh, part in this. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, but those are alarming um, statistics. It is. If you think mm-hmm. about, you know, when you see children on radio programs, mm-hmm. uh, not radio, but TV programs, mm-hmm. and you, mm-hmm. you see them in magazines and mm-hmm. help waiting children, you call in, you're discouraged right off the bat. Yeah. I would encourage people just remember there is a quasi-screening process mm-hmm. that happens on the phone, and if you don't get the answer that you want, you need to be very persistent. Right, and don't just take the personality of the person answering the phone. Yeah, Exactly, and and you go to the meeting, and you fill out the application, Mm -hmm. and don't automatically think that you're going to not be approved just Mm -hmm. because you feel insecure about Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah, support's so important, and you know, I know you do a lot. That's why you have have post-adoption services. What's your website, too? Because you have some great um, articles on your website. Let's get that website out, too, for people that are are wanting to learn more. It's um, post-adoption services.com. Okay, postadoptservices.com, so we can do that. You know, briefly, too. Um, well, you mentioned the other situation yes. where a niece or something mm-hmm. is having a baby. Um, that there, that can go either way. The, the, the niece can either relinquish her child to a public agency and identify you, perhaps, as the family, mm-hmm. um, but hopefully you'll be approvable as an mm-hmm. adoptive family. And we have people calling that are 18 years old, and they just, they, they're not at a place where they can really adopt. They've got to have a stable life, and, but you don't have right. to be rich. You can be in an apartment. But people right. have to have, I think, realistic expectations on what it takes to, to raise a child properly. And there are costs involved, mm-hmm. even if you're talking about using a public agency. What, what's that the is, cost involved? Well, 
you know, it can be about three thousand dollars for the family evaluation process. Mm -hmm. So, and there are other many other things connected with even an independent adoption, which is the birth Mm -hmm. mother just gives you the baby directly. So, families are often kind of surprised when they find out that it just Mm -hmm. isn't a free process, and Mm -hmm. they can't understand why it isn't free. But there's a lot of services that are involved with making adoptions happen, and mm-hmm. uh, that's the biggest thing. that and Agencies aren't getting rich adoption professionals. They're a lot involved because I, you were mentioning the other day that, you know, there are a lot of people that just need services, but they don't go through. And, um, you know, the fees are going through because you have all this paperwork that's required by either the country or the, the county or the state. Um, exactly. Background yeah. checks. So I, I always tell people that, you know, wherever you go, there are, there are no free adoptions. I mean, our taxes will pay for things, and there's some yeah. great benefits, which we have discussed on other shows. In fact, we're going to be doing very soon another one on uh, tax shows. But um, Well, in fact, in fact, public agencies may actually cost uh, more in, in terms of the adoption because the workers are better paid than private agencies. Yeah. You know, everybody who works for a private agency kind of goes without benefits and mm-hmm. has lower pay and, mm-hmm. and things like that because we just kind of are, you know, exist on our client fees and mm-hmm. our overhead is, you know, remains consistent and services are expensive so um. yeah it is it's very hard too so w- tell me a little bit about um you know the international stuff is changing too you had mentioned that uh 2049 visas were down for international adoption for the first time was that this last year yes and you know it's kind of alarming uh, there there are many things that are happening on the international mm-hmm. front some of them that are leaving us sort of smaller agencies sort of shaking our boots mm-hmm. um one is the hague convention mm-hmm. everybody uh, that wants to participate in international adoptions, either going to have to be supervised, uh, exempt, or or be accredited. And there's a process that's going mm-hmm. on now to get agencies accredited, and we've just applied. But it's pretty extensive. It's going to be very expensive. And the, the hope is, in the end, to kind of standardize practice Mm-hmm. within the United States and all right. the foreign Laws. country participants. Yeah, and I think that's really important. And I think, too, is I want to leave everybody, because we're closing now and, and wrapping up, that, Cynthia, that there are children to adopt. But as I hear you say, you've got to be persistent, know what the, the, the facts are, that there are going to be some expenses involved. There are kids available in the foster care program internationally and domestically um, through private or, or agency adoption independent, but they have to be aware of it. Yeah. Uh, and you have to really know that um, what needs what needs to be taken care of uh, first and not go on with these glossy eyes that you see a, a, yeah. you know, a lifetime movie and then think, oh, I can do this and, and not real, the real, reality of it all. Let's give well, out- I was just going to mention that most adoptions start with good intentions. Yes. And where they go from there can be many directions. So mm-hmm. people need to not just rely on the Internet, which is a wealth of information. They do need to check out their local adoption services, mm-hmm. attend those orientation meetings, get the literature, ask how long they've been in business, Talk to families who've adopted from mm-hmm. them. Good see if advice. they've got good services. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice, Cynthia. And I really appreciate it. Again, let's give your website out. Okay, it's adoption-horizons.org. Okay, and for the articles on post-adoption, um, let's get that uh, that uh, website out also. Okay, postadoptservices.com. Okay, and you have, um, how many children do you have now? I have three children. Three children, and they're grown, and you're still working, and you just, you are so active. I, <laughs> I really appreciate you being uh, on, this, on the show and everything you share with us today. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank you, Marty. Uh-huh. Sure. And this is Marty Caldwell. It's been a pleasure to be with you today with Let's Talk Adoption. Email your questions to me at info at Let's Talk Adoption. Until next week, we'll have a wonderful show on taxes next week and uh, with a tax specialist, so join us then. 
This is Marty Caldwell. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. Marty Caldwell.